new CBS Monday. NCIS is back. We need all hands on deck. So grab your gear. NCIS! And join our elite team. What are the charges? Murder. New cases to be solved. Double tap to the chest. Same caliber as the murder weapon. And new criminals to catch. That's the bomb maker. Where's the bomb? A new NCIS, Monday, 9, 8 central, on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. It is game week. It is game week for the first time in almost a year, really. I mean, I guess before Thanksgiving last year. And, and for the fans, it's even a bigger deal because for the first time since January 1st, 2020, fans can attend Michigan football games. And, and for the first time since November 2019, uh, the big house will have thousands of fans in it. So I've uh, been hearing from a lot of fans this week. They're all, you know, even, even the ones who are not so sure what Michigan's going to be this year or don't think Michigan's going to be especially good, uh, they're just all excited to, to have tailgating back, have the game back. So if, you're, if you take part in that, I did write a story about all the guidelines you need to know for going to games uh, in terms of the, the protocols and everything like that. But, um, you know, I guess I'm happy for you. I mean, that's, that's, you know, it's someone who covered college football games without fans last year. It's, it, it's really boring. <laughs> it kind of sucks. I think the whole, the whole um, you know, all the rituals of, of college football are, are due to the fans, really. So anyways, uh, I'm fired up because I spent all month trying to figure out what this, or all year trying to figure out what this team is. And now we finally get to see. So this episode Pretty straightforward. We're going to talk about quickly what we learned in this week's press conferences. You know, just a couple of discussion points that are that still persist. We'll talk about the key for Michigan's offense, key for Michigan's defense, and then we'll do some prop pet prop bets in the second half of the episode. If you want to know about the big picture of Michigan football, we did do a season prediction episode. That was our last last week's episode, and then we had a whole bunch. I think it was a total of almost four hours of position preview episodes there's eight in total so uh, they're all about half an hour most of them are less and you can binge those I mean it's almost like watching an episode of tv so if you want to know the big picture of, of Michigan football that's where you go this will be focused more Michigan versus Western Michigan and the game week so Steve I, I don't know if you had like a a, a big time takeaway from Michigan's press conferences so I'll, I'll go first and and see where you go from there. But, but the thing that stood out to me, you know, obviously the theme of this week was in terms of who was made available to us was defensive line. Uh, you know, Sean Nua met with us, Christopher Hinton met with us, Mozzie Smith met with us as well. But the, the, the kind of the theme or the, the big takeaway I had, because I kind of, I kind of roll my eyes at the, at the quote unquote, the culture change or everyone's in the best shape of their lives. A lot of the fall camp tropes, but I was really fascinated by the trust that Mike McDonald has built with, with the, with the players um, and, and the buy-in that he's built. And I don't think that's unique. I mean, usually a new coach is anyone who doesn't transfer is probably bought in with, with the defensive coordinator. But I thought, I thought a couple things were really interesting, uh, you know, starting when he first came to Michigan and this, this was Christopher Hinton telling this story. He had a meeting with the defense, laid out 
what he wanted the defense to be. But then he said, ultimately, this is your defense and this is your team. And, and they made a big list of all the things that, that the players wanted the defense to be. And I guess last week, Coach McDonald showed everybody with that list. And, and I thought, that, you know, and, and Hinton was kind of like, yeah, that kind of surprised me. That was, that was when I was like, oh, no, he, he like really cares and wants us to be good and everything like that, you know, it's not, it's not his way or the highway. It's, it's collectively, he said our way. So I thought that was really interesting. And then Vincent Gray spoke a moment later and basically, you know, I don't, I don't want to put words in Vincent Gray's mouth, but, but he, he seemed to insinuate that the previous coaches one did not mix up coverage schemes and coverage approaches enough which I don't think that's necessarily anything new, but he, he mentioned that it, it felt like he was hurting his chances to, to play at the next level. You know, it's hurting him. You can, you can watch his athletic profile, watch his tape. I, I can see why he would say that. But then he also mentioned that he actually feels like he can talk to these coaches and ask them questions. And, and I don't think, I thought that was really interesting. And it pairs with a comment Jim Harbaugh made in the Inside Michigan Football Radio Show where he was talking about the players, their buy-in with McDonald. And, and the quote that comes, stands out to me is basically when the players are listening to the coaches, that's how, you know, you have a good teacher. There's with, with McDonald, there's no eye rolling. There's no walkaways. It's players want to learn. They want to be a part of it. So anyway, all of this to say, I, I think of all the fall camp storylines, that might be the one I take the bait on. Is, is the trust and the buy-in that McDonald has built. I think culture might be the most overused word this month. I think it can mean a lot of different things. And ultimately, every team feels like they have a good culture until they lose because that's just what, that, you know, that's when your optimism is high. Culture, culture a lot of times just means excitement or optimism, you know, when, when it's used in quotes and everything like that. But I, I do think that there is a lot of trust in McDonald and what he's teaching. And I don't think that that's necessarily a given in today's college football when a new coordinator comes in and, you know, players can transfer if they want, they can go pro if they want. I mean, when Don Brown was fired, no one knew what direction Michigan was going to go. And, and McDonald, if I'm not mistaken, was tired kind of late. I mean, all of the commits and signees kind of went in blindly. So really no one picked McDonald except Jim Harbaugh. And so to hear so much, I guess, unflinching excitement about McDonald and the defense and believing that it'll work and everything like that, uh, that, that took me a little bit by surprise, you know, and, and, and to hear it from in, in a couple different key, like specific ways, not just, oh yeah, the coaches are great. That really stood out to me, Steve, I guess, first your thoughts on that. And then, and then what else stood out to you from the press conferences this week? Yeah, so that quote, that was the one that I had found also. I think you guys talked about it on the board a little bit yesterday, maybe, or was it today? That Harbaugh quote uh, from the radio show. You know, the thing with, I pay more attention to the culture thing, but like you said, I, it's not so much the word culture as what Michigan or the players uh, kind of make it what to, you know, it's, it is, it's such a flexible word. There's a lot of different ways you can could kind of go with that. I, I look at a lot of what Aiden Hutchinson has said this offseason. It's and you, it, it goes into what you just said about the trust factor is 
you know, I think it feels like, you know, I think the big theme of last year at the end of the day on the offensive side of the ball ravaged by injuries, quarterback situation was really uncertain on the defensive side of the ball. It was way more of a mental give up type situation that occurred. So I think a lot of times, especially when you are hearing the defensive guys are talking about it, I think it's more of an issue of setting, yeah, that building that trust in order to when, when they when they make a mistake, which inevitably is going to happen in every game, somebody's going to make a mistake at some point, that it's it's not going to manifest itself and and turn into a multitude of mistakes afterwards. And I think that's a really important when you when the defense has a lot of talent on it. We've talked a lot about that. So I think that mental side of the puzzle for this unit is, is really big. And, uh, you know, having a fresh, young voice with extensive NFL experience kind of there, I think is maybe more conducive to, and like he is just more open to listening. You know, that's another theme, I think, that we've heard a little bit this offseason. I think Sharon Moore is another one we've heard that theme a lot about players feel more comfortable to ask questions or, or, you know, just like have more discussion and less instruction. So same thing with McDonald and defensively, you know, I, I think it just feels like there's a much, much higher comfort level right off the bat with a lot of these new hires and the direction that Michigan's trying to take it. Like I said, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. So I think that's been that was something we saw pop up a couple times this week. I think for Harbaugh to make that comment about the eye rolls and stuff, that's a significant. That's a significant comment. Uh, he doesn't. This is what I said on the board. He, he does not say that if he doesn't have a pretty recent memory of eye rolls and walkaways. Absolutely, and and to openly, you know, because some people could read that and, and take that as an indictment on on him. How do you run? How are you running a program where your your players are rolling their eyes at your defensive coaches when they're trying to coach them? Right, you know. So for him to kind of openly admit that, I think makes it pretty clear that he knows it was time for a change, and the players have embraced that change. So, yeah, that was kind of the biggest thing. That's why I'm like I'm interested to see. So let's say on Saturday, you know, Western Michigan very capable of throwing the football. Let's see what happens when a Vince Gray or a Jamon Green maybe give up a big play or give up a, you know, make a mistake in the pass or, or misread in the flat. Just something, something that maybe we can see from the TV. What happens the next play or what happens the next drive? You know, I think that that's going to be one of the biggest things. You know, that's something where, you know, what Michigan favored by, I think, 17 and a half. We would expect them to win this football game on Saturday. You know, there's this idea that people will say that you can't learn anything from a game like this. I think Michigan's in a situation right now where I think we will have some things coming out of Saturday that we'll, we'll, we'll have learned, uh, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. So, uh, so yeah, I think that's kind of my thoughts of sort of like the tail end of fall camp leading into what we've heard this week. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, re- regarding real quick, the, like the, the youth and the approachability, I I'd almost compare it to Juwan Howard. You know, everyone talks about Juwan Howard's recruiting success kind of in the scope that he's a big NBA name and people know who he is and he can name drop LeBron certainly helps. I think what's really helping him and what really helped him win a big 10 title in year two 
is it's it's his open door policy, which I think most of our listeners have heard of, but that's like a big, it's a very big priority to him. And it becomes a very big priority to the players is he doesn't want to be a tough love coach. He doesn't want to be, um, I guess, someone that, that breaks you down and then builds you up his way. He wants to just build you up, you know, and it's, and that's kind of like the new age of coaching. I think, um, you know, I think previous coaches, both with Michigan football and basketball, I suppose, were, but, but thinking about football here, I think there were, there were coaches who were very much like, I'm going to break you down. I'm going to give you tough love. You're going to have to earn everything you get. And then you will be great. Sounds like this staff. And I, I think clean scale deserves a lot of credit for it too. Um, you know, in addition to just being really film and fundamentals oriented, which Vincent Gray also mentioned that I think there is an emphasis on, okay, not every player wants to be broken down or not every player is going to be successful being broken down. Sometimes you just got to build, build confidence, build esteem, build morale, um, and teach along the way. So, yeah, I think that seems to be what's going on. The other, the other takeaway, I don't have quite as much to say about this, but felt like, you know, we heard from a number of offensive players and a couple defensive players about the, the leadership of, of Cade McNamara. And, and, you know, again, that's another press conference thing that anyone can say. I mean, it doesn't mean that he's going to win the Heisman or anything, but I, I thought it was interesting. We heard from three different players this week that Cade McNamara taught them how to golf. You know, he's a big golfer. Apparently he's like the, the, you know, typical competitor, you know, throwing the club, getting mad and everything. I don't know, Steve, I, I think, I think it says something about him that he's not just golfing with his buddies. I mean, he's, he's bringing new buddies in. He's taking the time to teach them how to golf. I mean, these are his, you know, Eric all Mike Sane were still, uh, these are his receivers. I think he's roommates with Eric all this, this fall, but um, that seemed like something kind of interesting to me. Uh, you know, also there were stories about his competitive fire, but you know, Jim Harbaugh kind of challenged the team. I think the phrase was get on the train at a spring practices. And I think he's finally, maybe, maybe finally is a stretch, but it feels like he has his best quarterback in terms of the intangibles, in terms of, you know, getting players to buy in, getting them to you getting more out of them. You know, I thought it was really interesting. I think Eric all said, you know, someone asked what McNamara's greatest strength was. He was like, he holds us accountable. You know, and then, and then so I, I haven't haven't heard that from every quarterback at Michigan since I've been covering the 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 beat, say the least. And I, I don't know if there's a quarterback I have heard about that from. So thought that was a little interesting, too. Uh, and, and I think the way I would picture it is like instead of going golfing with his buddies, he's teaching his teammates how to golf. I, I don't know. I don't know if you picked up on that, but that, that stood out to me as well. Uh, I thought his intangibles stood out in the post game in the locker room after they came back against Rutgers when he came in and well, save the day, I suppose in that game, you know, you, Oh, I, for you, sure. I don't think this is anything new, but no, I, like hearing no. a little bit more of the story. Right. Right. We obviously didn't get to know him as well in a, in such a shortened window last year, but uh, no, he exudes confidence when he speaks uh, in a big way. And uh, you talk about the intangible side of things at the quarterback spot, I think between McNamara and what Michigan will eventually get from JJ McCarthy. I think, I think, I would be surprised if those two guys are like the most 
in that vein uh, from an intangible standpoint, as far as that being a benefit that compared to what Michigan has had at the quarterback position in the past. So in a good spot there, uh, you know, and, and it's refreshing, I think, to hear a quarterback sound so, uh, you yeah, know, I don't forceful. I know it's the right word to use uh, when, when he speaks. He just sounds like a guy that commands some more, commands some respect. You know, he sounded focused. Right. I think that's the word I would use. I think he like he like really listened to the questions, really had thoughtful answers. And and I agree he was he was confident in everything, but I think he was more prepared. Like I don't think he was like cocky. I think he was he was just ready for those answers and and knew what he wanted to say. Right. But that's the type of thing it's it's uh if it looks like a rat, smells like a rat, which is like a negative thing, but I mean it in a positive way in this regard. You know, it's like you can kind of you can kind of tell when a guy has a sense of leadership and has a sense of accountability. Like you talked about his teammates saying he he holds guys accountable. You can kind of see that just in listening to him speak, and uh, like you said, how he answers the questions that he's given in a in a, even just in a presser type setting. So, yeah, in that aspect. You know, I, I assume the coaches feel pretty good. Now we have to see it in action on Saturday. Uh, again, maybe in a weird way, a similar situation for him personally. How does he, how does he, you know, if he makes a mistake on Saturday, throws a pick or fumbles, what, like, how does he come back from that? You know, I think that's, a, like I said, a big theme for me overall in the game. Uh, but on offense, McNamara and then probably Eric All are the two guys I'll be watching in that regard and, and on the offensive side of the ball. Sure. Yeah, no, it's it it will be. I I will say, I mean, Shea Patterson threw a pick on the first play against Middle Tennessee. I think he I think he even injured his rib a couple plays later and um he was fine. I think Wilton Spate threw a pick on the first play of a of a one of the season openers. I want to say, yeah, was it Colorado? Uh yeah, but that wouldn't have been that wouldn't have been a season opener. I think it was the Hawaii game actually. That's what it was. Yeah. So sorry. Yeah, it. So I will say, you know, like I won't read into everything on Saturday, but I am with you. I, 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 you know, I'm starting to just keep an eye on a couple of those things that I just mentioned. You guys don't see me in press conferences, but I, I roll my eyes a lot. You know, I, I I'm kind of, you know, the co- the the cliches don't do much for me, but every every once in a while, there's something that I'm like, you know, I bet there's there's a little bit of weight behind that, and those were the two that that stood out to me. Anyways, let's talk about the game. I guess just a very simple question. Steve, what is the key for Michigan's offense in this game? I think everyone wants to see them four wide and throw the football. I want to just I want to see Michigan dominate the line of scrimmage and run the football with ease. I want to see all three guys get a decent amount of carries because I think this is the type of game. These are the games that back in the day this is when you would try to get your freshmen some possible experience. And now with the red shirt deal, we've talked about this the last couple of years, there's no reason not to get some guys in. So I don't think there's any reason not to see Donovan Edwards on Saturday. I, and I say put like, not just like if Michigan happens to get a big lead and is running away with the game, I'm saying like, put him in and, and play him just, you know, yeah. in any yeah, situation. High leverage. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just, I, I want to see Michigan's offensive line. Uh, we've, I've been harping on I'm, – I'm pretty high on what they could do this year. I think they return a lot of different – they return a nice combination of things like we've talked about, depth, experience, talent, et cetera, et cetera. 
this is a, this is a great uh, this is a team they should have success against offensively. Uh, like we read, I think we were talking about before the before we recorded. I think Western Michigan gave up 34 points a game last year. They lost their best defensive player to the transfer portal. Uh, no reason why Michigan should not have significant success on the offensive side. And I think it's going to start up at the line of scrimmage. That's where I'm going to be looking to see Michigan dominate the game. Yeah, that's, there's really only one other option. I guess if you say, want to see him, I, I, I do. I, I think the, to me in these games, assuming things go as I expect them to go, uh, the, the first half is always more significant than the second half. And I think, I think it's important to kind of see what McNamara can do a little bit because this, I, and I'm doing my game by game projections, you know, really writing out the score and everything uh, this afternoon. And this is one of only maybe three or four games that, that they'll be able to kind of just run the clock out in the second half. You know, maybe they'll have a couple more here and there, but, but on paper, um, you know, you can, you can work on your run block and you work on your on pounding the rock in the second half, you know, get everyone some carries. I kind of, I kind of want to see how the offensive line does in pass protection. They, they did better in pass pro than run blocking last year, but it's not, it's not a, not an area that I'm 100% sold on the offensive line about tackles. Sure. But the interior, uh, this is a Western Michigan defense that I think was fifth in sacks per game last season and 13th in tackles for loss per game last season. And, and you mentioned they, they had a couple departures, but, but they've got some guys, some good guys at the edge and, and, and the interior as well. They also were pretty bad in coverage. So this is probably a good chance to, you know, get Dalen Baldwin comfortable, uh, get, you know, maybe, maybe the AJ Henning, Roman Wilson, get them a little bit of positive experience. Cause I can't even imagine what it was like last year, no spring ball, a weird truncated fall camp. And then, and then a, ter- you know, a season where you just really couldn't have any momentum or, or, you know, I guess have that many opportunities for success. So, you know, they have a deep wide receiver room. I think it should show on Saturday and how they spread the ball around. So uh, I think that they can win with either school of thought, but if you're thinking about the rest of the season, seems like they have, they know they can run the football. Now I think it's time for them to find out just, just what kind of passing attack they look like. Plus, I mean, McNamara, if he's going to be going to with you know facing Washington in ten days and going to um, Wisconsin in a month, he needs throwing reps. You know, he needs some some experience under his belt at the college level. He really he only has one start and he got injured five passes in. So, uh, to me, I think I think that it's 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 a game where they need to stretch the arm a little bit, and and I think they'll have success doing it, but. I think even if it results in a slightly less lopsided score, I think, I think there's a lot of value in them throwing the football a little bit because there's going to be games where they need to throw the football to, to hang around keys for Michigan's defense. I just want to see how they attack a, a competent offensive attack. Good preview, not different style than what they'll see against Washington, obviously. But Washington's also very experienced, has a lot of guys returning, particularly up front next week. You know, and I, the Western Michigan has a ton of experience as well. I think we talked about Eskridge was the guy that left. 
really, really good player. Probably was their best offensive player. Uh, yeah. Got yeah. drafted. So no, that's obviously a really very significant loss for them, but still they are, they're bringing back almost everybody else. So I, I'm just interested to see the schematics, how, what, who do they put on the field? When, how, what, what, what are they running? What is their, what's their base going to be? You know, McDonald's talk, we, we've been harping on the three, four, they are recruiting towards a three, four base, but you know, not sure if a three, four is what this current roster uh, is maybe best as uh, how do they mix it up? Do they mix it up or do they just go right into that as their base? Uh, we t- we've seen a lot about the zone difference of going from man to man and mixing in some zone coverage this year. I think we're going to see a ton more zone, even though we did start to see more zone under Don Brown. Uh, I think we're going to see even more and we're going to see different types. Uh, so for me, this game defensively is going to be more about what do we see from an X's and O's standpoint, you know, how many of these other guys that, you know, we, we talked about guys like Mike Morris, uh, David Ajabo, you know, Jordan Whitley, even, you know, some of these other guys that maybe aren't going to start, but we've heard really good things about how do they just, how do they mix these guys in? Yeah. Chris Jenkins too, got a shout out from Sean Nua today. There you go. Uh, a guy I've been high on since Michigan recruited him. Uh, so how do you kind of, manage that what situation scenarios do they use some of these guys and and you know just kind of how are they going to try to make it all work yeah i think i think that's a good point and and western michigan according to pro football focus projects to have the best offensive line in the mac uh across the whole board so quietly maybe their biggest strength actually for me i think this is a, a very good game an important game for michigan to figure out how to cover the slot and the deep ball. Caleb Ellaby, he was third in the country last season in passer efficiency rating. The only two people ahead of him were Mac Jones and Zach Wilson. So it's a, you know, he was in pretty granted. He was only playing Mac teams. He only played six games, but, but he was in elite company in the sense of uh, not too many people were passing it at high of a clip of him and, and sky Moore. He's he's not Dwayne Eskridge, but but he's pretty darn good himself. He averaged 7.3 yards after the catch per catch last year, which is a lot. And he broke 19 tackles in six games. So, um, you know, he's pretty dangerous. I think he will be similar to kind of the and, and, and the rest of the receiving core. I think there could be some similarities to the to the Washington matchup in that I think I think Washington's going to try to attack the slots. I think they're going to try to go with the speedy, shifty receivers instead of, you know, the big 50-50 balls. Same time, got to think they're going to try to pick on these corners and see what, see what Michigan's cornerbacks can do after. I mean, you don't have to watch that much film from last season to, to figure out what your best opportunity to win would be. So, yeah, it's, I mean, Ellaby's got a real arm. You know, he's a real legit quarterback, I think. I think the passing game overall is that of a power five opponent. You know, I think every elsewhere in this matchup, I think it really does. You know, Western Michigan is a Mac team. It does look like a game Michigan should win, but they are going to have to pass the, the coverage test. And I think I, I got to think, I mean, if Western Michigan has half a brain. They're going to try to push that coverage test as far as they can go. So yeah, it'll be, I think that's the key is, is shut it down early and then, and then build some confidence. Vincent Gray coming off a pretty down season. Uh, you know, even you know, we talked about the linebackers in the linebacker preview episode. 
they need to work on their coverage. DJ Turner, brand new to being in games. Uh, he's supposed to play a big role for them. So I think it's a big game for the coverage unit just to build confidence, figure things out, and, and maybe get a real test. Anyway, with we're going to hit a quick break. On the other side, we'll do some prop bets. Just, uh, just a few. You're listening to the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Spring training is in full swing and fantasy baseball draft season is upon us. That means you need to join us on Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every Monday through Saturday for six pods per week throughout the month of March. We'll break down the latest news, spring training updates, players to target, and much more in just five minutes. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Hit Paramount Plus original docuseries returns. The last time I saw Max, he looked at us laughing, and then everything changed in a blink of an eye. My feeling as a detective is that he was murdered. Yahoo Entertainment calls it a spine-chilling docuseries showcasing real-life tragedies. What about with your child who went missing? We need to know the truth. Never seen again. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. And we're back. Thanks for waiting. We're also going to do a, pr- a prediction for the game, of course. That, that, that kind of went without saying, and so I didn't say it. Uh, anyways, normally Neil provides the prop bets. I, I forgot to tell him that we record on Wednesdays this year. Uh, so, so I'm just going to come up with them kind of on the fly. Over, under, Steve, 250 passing yards for Cade McNamara. Mm. So my thing was that I want to I want to see them run the ball, but I kind of think I'm going to be wrong, and that they're gonna like that's what I want to see, but I'm not them. They're not they're not worried about what I want to see. Uh, I think they will pass the ball. That's my that'd be my actual prediction. Uh, I'll say over. I'm going to go over on 250. Okay, I I kind of wonder if they'll scale it back after the point is made. You know, if he throws for three touchdowns or or they score three touchdowns on drives where he was throwing a lot. Do they like, I don't know when the cutoff point is for them to just kind of work on the ground game a little bit. Um, seems like Harbaugh kind of varies on that. I'm going to say under, I think it's an efficient like 220. You know, it's, it's, he doesn't, doesn't throw 30, 40 passes. Plus, I think there is some uh, reason for them to get McCarthy in the game sooner than later you know, just because you never know what's going to happen. And he's, they, they probably want to get him some game reps. Over or under, Michigan's leading rusher runs for 80 yards. I think they spread it around enough where I think for this game, I think it'll be under. I don't think you'll have to ask Haskins to maybe play that bell cow role. I think they'll be good enough, effective enough to spread it around. So I'll say under. I... I agree with your logic. I think someone breaks one. Um, seems like that tends to happen in these types of games. So I'll say over. I don't know who, and I don't know how many yards they're going to end up with. My guess would be maybe Corum. You know, he seems to have that breakaway speed. You know, maybe he bumps one, bumps one really far. Uh, okay, over or under, let's say four touchdowns. Let's do three and a half since it's over under. Three and a half touchdowns in the first half for Michigan. So they get to, and and 
not a point total, but, but touchdown total. Did they get four or more in the first half? I'll say under because I, I was going to go with three. Okay. So I'll say under. I Four is a lot. <laughs> I'll, I'll say under. I, I, you know, I don't know. We don't know enough about Michigan yet. If it was a typical year where they were coming off a real season, I'd have a better sense. But I'll say, I'll say under. Okay. Uh, they're receiving one. Over or under 5.5 receptions for Michigan's leading reception leader. Do they spread it out a lot there, or do they, do they try to you know, kind of go with the chemistry, build some guys up a little bit? Well, obviously, I think, the, I think their best-case scenario is they are able to spread the ball. Uh, that being said, I'm, gonna ju- I'm just going to take – I'm going to go with Ronnie Bell has more than five-and-a-half catches. I think Ronnie Bell gets, ends up with six or seven catches for Michigan, with Cornelius yeah. Johnson being the second guy that could eclipse that mark. I, I'm going to say under, I, as soon as I said that number, I was like, that's way too high. <laughs> you know, I think, I think four and a half might've been a better, a better, I mean, it's only one less, but yeah, just, um, I know Jim Harbaugh always likes to spread it around, especially in, in potentially lopsided victories. Okay. On the defensive side of the ball over under 3.5 sacks for Michigan as a team. Yeah, they had yeah, yeah. they had what six or no they had eight last year nine Total? yeah <laughs> oh boy um under I I I wonder if teams still early on if it's going to be a quick one two three pass oh yeah you know I wonder if that's maybe how teams are still going to try to attack them early force their defensive backs to make some plays uh. I'll say under, but I think that's a good over-under numbers to set uh, just because there are, man. The thing about Michigan defensively is they have athletes, particularly on the edge. You know, I think they have guys in the right scenario that could cause some havoc. Uh, but And Western is going to throw a lot. Right, exactly. That, you know, and so the question, yeah, the question will be, does Western, yeah, do they try to five-step drop and throw it down the field or do they try to dink and dunk? I suspect at least early on they'll try to dink and dunk, uh, go from there with it. I'll say under. Yeah, I, I'm going to say under. I think the last thing Western wants to do is, like, give up some sack that just ends the game for them, you know, from a momentum standpoint. Uh, and, and I do think Ellaby can be that kind of quarterback where he can maybe dodge a pass rusher or two. He can get the ball out quickly. Uh, so yeah, I will, I will say under over or under 99.5 rushing yards allowed under, I think they'll, I think they'll slow the run down a little bit more than people think. Although, like, I think we said the focus for Western will be throwing the football, right? Um, they do return, but they, that's why I said they the return three four, running backs, yeah. four line, four offensive linemen and three running backs. They're the top three leading rushers from last year. I'll still say under. I think I think Michigan, maybe that's one area. I think maybe we come out again, given the even given the opponent, maybe I think we come out a little bit impressed with how Michigan looks in that regard. Yeah, I think in this kind of game, you're right because I I forgot Western will probably pass a lot. Yards per carry might be a little bit more of a of a better gauge. You know, if it's 
four and a half or less, then then Michigan had a pretty good day. Um, Either way, over under 1.5 turnovers forced. And before you answer, there was one small little thing that you probably will like from Vincent Gray's press conference. Apparently, Michigan has a point system for forcing turnovers now. Uh, and, and I don't know the exact scoring system, but, but things like tipping the ball, getting picks, you know, um, get, basically just getting your hand on the ball it's, in any capacity as a defense is worth points. And so they, they're really trying to emphasize it. I think doing more zone schemes, I guess, would, could, could lead to more, uh, you know, interceptions, things like that. But anyway, just, just thought I brought that up. That, you know, that is a point of emphasis for Michigan's defense. That's something they identified as a weak point, even in Don Brown's good defenses. So with that all being said, over or under 1.5 turnovers forced by Michigan's defense. I will say over. I think I think I think they'll get two, I think they'll force two turnovers. That's that'd be my early prediction. And the turnover thing to me defensively, it's the one thing in my opinion, that could allow Michigan to great, greatly surpass expectations this season just as a whole. If the defense can maybe force some turnovers to what I believe is their talent level. You know, I think that's the biggest single thing for Michigan is just that ability. Cause yeah, like you said, it's looking back, it is, it's amazing. The, the, uh, I don't like how, how on earth a a defense that Don Brown would run that was so good at uh, tackles for a loss and, and getting to the court like that. They never forced a really a high proportion of turnovers uh, was always just crazy to me. And that's something that he's actually, that's kind of something been a, a, a knock of his throughout. Like when he was at Boston college, they'd have a, they had a top 10, top 15 defense, but never forced enough turnovers to make you think, you know, that you think a defense like of that level should force more turnovers. So it's going to be a huge thing for Michigan throughout the season. I think it's going to be one of the, it's going to be one of the bigger overlying stats throughout the entire year that I'll be keeping the closest eye on. Uh, but for this game, I'll say they get two and, and they go over. I had a feeling that would be of interest to you. That's, that's why I made sure to mention it. Um, I, this is why Neil is our guy for this stuff. I, I didn't do my research. Western Michigan, had lost 18 turnovers in six games last year against Mac opponents. So turnovers are actually kind of a big deal for or a, a bit of a problem for them. I, I don't watch Western Michigan, so I don't know exactly, you know, what went into it, but 18 is a lot. They were, um, you know, among actually among the worst teams in the country, even, even with not playing that many games. So I'm going to say over, I mean, they're going to be, kind of shooting their shot a little bit and so uh you know we'll see we'll see what they come up with finally another halftime score one over under 6.5 points allowed in the first half does Michigan's defense really come out and make a statement or do they allow a touchdown or two in that opening half say western score something like like 10 points I think the score at halftime will be something like 24 to 10 or 21 to 10 Michigan. 
just think there's going to be some kinks, right? I got to think there'll be a little, some kink. I don't know. I'd be, again, as, as like, I keep harping about Michigan is very talented and defensively, this is a new scheme. You know, I don't expect them to come out and play a flawless football from the get-go. And I think Western has enough experience and enough talent. They got some guys still, even without Eskridge, uh, to put one on the board at some point in the first half. So I'll say over. Yeah, I think the big play potential is there. I mean, it seems like even when Michigan does do big um, – when they have blowout wins even, there's like always like one or two. They're not always in the first half, but I, I – I don't know. I think they're still figuring a lot out. I don't think this is a, I don't think this is like a 2016 Hawaii, you know, walkthrough necessarily. I think I could see, especially with Western Michigan's passing ability, I could see them putting one on the board. By the way, they did not have 18 turnovers. I was looking at Western Kentucky. Um, Western Michigan had six in six games. So 1.5 was actually a very good number. Uh, but I, I, because I said over, I'll still take the over. Okay, finally, we'll do score prediction, MVP, and player you're most interested to see how they do. All right. Say Michigan, 38. Western, we'll say 17. I think Michigan wins comfortably and covers. MVP, oh boy. I think people I think people are going to be happy with McNamara on Saturday. I think he'll come out and play some good football. Uh player I'm most interested to see. I'm going to give one quick one on both sides of the ball. I'm I'm really interested to see Eric All at tight end. I still think he has a chance to be a, a difference maker at that position. I you know, one of probably six or seven guys we've consistently talked about we feel like there are some mental hurdles for him to get over this season after a really rough year last year. So I'll be interested to see what he does. And on defense, I'm going to go with Donovan Jeter. You know, I really liked what he had to say a few weeks ago about, you know, I think he was, he's sick of people complimenting his, what he's doing in practice, the off season stuff, which we have heard his name a couple of times the last couple of years. Uh, you know, I like that approach. And he's going to be a really important piece of the puzzle for them. Just for his versatility. It feels like he could play on that, that three, four DN spot, or they could put him in the middle in certain scenarios. Mm-hmm. Um, going to be a really important player. I'm, I'm going to say Donovan Jeter on that side. So I'm going to say 42 to 21. I don't think it's, I think it is like, a, there's like a late, I'm predicting like a late touchdown or something in there too, but um, yeah, 42 to 21 Michigan wins. MVP, I think I'm going to say Cornelius Johnson. Might as well. I mean, I can't call him my breakout pick all winter, spring, and summer and, and not expect him to have a good first game in a game that, that I think Michigan will be able to throw the ball with, with success. Wouldn't be surprised if it was a running back. That, like, I think history suggests running back is a safe pick for an MVP in, in a game like this. But I'm going to say Cornelius Johnson. Player I'm interested to see on defense. I mean, they, they kind of go with my key, key play or keys of the game. Um, I think it's going to be Vincent Gray. I think this will be a, a, an interesting – we'll know kind of where he's at and, and what kind of progress he's made this offseason. 
based on how he does in this game. And then on offense, I'll say Mike Sainer still similar with the, with the Eric all narrative that you're discussing. Sainer still also had some up and down last season. He has some chemistry with McNamara. So he actually finished on an up, uh, but you know, Jim Harbaugh continues to discuss him as, as, as a starter. So makes me think that he'll play at least a pretty big role on Saturday. And, and so I'll be very curious to see how he does. And and kind of little little bit of a not, not necessarily pressure on him because they have a few guys, but you know Giles Jackson did leave. They, you know, Sam still was kind of thrust in the starting slot role. How does he handle it? So yeah, he'll be someone I'm interested to watch. Anyway, for Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine Twenty Four Seven Podcast. Be sure to check with the Michigan Insider dot com and uh, Michigan Twenty Four Seven Sports dot com to to read all of our preview stories all of our stories during the game and also our stories after the game. This has been the Wolverine 24 seven podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. We'll see you next time. Explore the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system in the new documentary, as we speak rap music on trial now streaming exclusively on Paramount plus head to paramountplus.com to try it free terms apply.